eating this higher quality food is coming into my body and it's turning on dormant faculties. You know, so my, my circulation is better. My lymphatic system is working better. My gastrointestinal system is working better. My heart is working better. My brain is working better. My liver is working better. Everything is improving. So it's going to open up this energy. And what do we do when we feel energetic? We feel like connecting with other people. We feel like creating and growing. Yiggity, yiggity, yo, ho, 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 Hey, everybody. Are you feeling good today? Are you fist pumping? Are you doing something crazy? Backbends? Pilates? You got some of those bath crayons? You in the bathtub just drawing away, writing down your big ideas? They're going to happen if you keep it up. If you keep thinking, if you keep pushing forward, and when I say pushing, I mean like grunting, not like you're taking a dump, but like grunting inside, like really giving it all that you have, squeezing all the juice out of your energy, putting it into what you are passionate about, because that is what is going to carry you to where you want to be in life. I was at the World Domination Summit last weekend in Portland. And I listened to a speaker, John Acuff. He's an author, and I apologize if I said his last name wrong, out of Nashville. But he made a comment like, oh, you know, with podcasting, all people do is just, is just compliment each other and, you know, tell each other how awesome they are. And I started laughing because I was thinking about, like, some of the guests I've had on my show. And, and like, in a way, that's true because... For me, everybody that comes on my show, I'm so excited about. Like, there's something that I specifically love about them. I handpick my guests. I'm not out there using people to find show guests for me. I'm not just taking in a random selection of people. Like, I find people that I want on this show because they are awesome. And if there's anybody that I think is the most awesome on iTunes, the best podcast on iTunes... The most unbelievable information, the most unbelievable value that you will find when it comes to health and wellness and well-being, it is my guest that I have on today. And I'm telling you, hands down, I'm going to compliment him because everything he does is changing my life and everybody else's life that listens to him. He has the number one health podcast on iTunes. It's called The Model Health Show, and his name is... Sean Stevenson, a.k.a. the Batman, he's incredible. I'm not kidding. And I would sit here, I would like, if he was around me, I would just like, you know, touch him and hug him and tell him how much I loved him. And he would probably get a little bit uncomfortable. And I'd probably like, I don't know, ask him to show me his abs several more times just so I can awe. And my girlfriend would get pissed off and it would just be a bad situation. But in the reality, that's exactly what I would do. This dude is the man. His show is incredible. Go check it out, The Model Health Show. If there is any podcast out there that is literally just straight value about the most incredible things, everybody cares about their wellness. Everybody cares about their health. He is making it so that everybody can understand how to make their health better because a lot of people just go to doctors and it's so confusing the stuff they tell you to do. A lot of them don't know what the hell they're even talking about. They're just feeding you bullshit. 
And I think that having somebody like Sean on the internet who's really opening up that, uh, I don't know what you would call it, that binder of information that allows us to understand the health industry and the way that our bodies work and how we can improve our ultimate well-being and the way we feel and the energy that we have and our sex life and all those things is incredible. And, and, and you just, I'll tell you right now, if you only have time to listen to one podcast, quit listening to this one and go listen to his because it is that good. I mean, it's incredible. So I hope that all of you do exactly what I'm telling you to. I'm going to get right into this interview. Uh, Sean is, I mean, it's this is the number one podcast on iTunes for me. I listen to every single episode. I can't say that for any of the other ones out there. So enjoy this information because it's incredible. We talk about health and how it affects creativity. And you are going to fall in love with this man beast. All the show notes are to now.com forward slash 106. And here we go. Come on, everybody, let me hear that bee. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that stickity stickity rickety dickity bee. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here we go now. Who wants to get a little bit funky out there? Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Yeah. Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, get on with your bad selves, yeah. If your silly little ears hang low, you better wiggity-wackity-wobble those bad boys or girls to the front and center of this podcast, because I'm not lying when I say my guest today is the most informative baller on all of iTunes. That is my opinion, but that of many others as well. He's an absolute health beast. He's the creator of the number one nutrition and fitness podcast on iTunes and also across the globe, if I have a say in it. Uh, the Model Health Show and the super funky best-selling author of Sleep Smarter, which is incredible. You can get that on Amazon. He's also the founder of Advanced Integrative Health Alliance and has dropped bombs on all stages all over the world, including TEDx. A skidamarinkity dinkity dink, a skidamarinkity doo Mr. Sean Stevenson, you are the healthiest entrepreneur now in history, man. What's going on? What's up, man? I feel like I'm about to play in the NBA Finals right now. That is phenomenal. I love it. <laughs> you got to bring the energy. I think my voice cracked at the end there, which I don't think has happened before. <laughs> well, it's got to happen sometime, man, when you're going full out like that. <laughs> Yeah, dude. So like I'm I'm enthralled like a little schoolgirl to have you on this show. Like I'm so pumped up. You're an absolute health beast. You're like macho man in the glory days of the WWF mixed with like Arnold Schwarzenegger in his heyday mixed with a super brain that maybe ate Dr. Oz for breakfast or something. <laughs> <laughs> like what I love most about you is is your ability to literally explain health in a way that makes sense to everyone, mm. uh, which is something that is really rare to come by. You always dissect the why of any health situation instead of just spitting out commercial fixes that people don't understand. And as an audience, we can truly feel your passion like with your show, 
I can. I've sent it out to so many people. Every single one of them, they send me text messages about the new episodes. Like they, they can feel the passion of the show, your love to help others transition to the health and the wellness that will ultimately change their entire life. So, dude, thank you so much for doing that just to start because it means a lot to us. I, I have no words, man. I'm actually, I'm truly speechless. That just, that really hit me in the heart, man. I wasn't expecting to hear, hear it quite like that, man. Thank you so much. Oh man, no problem. Thank, thank you. Like seriously. And like fist pumping like crazy. My energy is high for a reason. Uh, but in this episode, I, I want to get into how health affects creativity because it does and vice versa, you know, creativity affects health. Yep. But first I want to give you a I want you to give us a quick rundown of your background because you yourself, I know, weren't always the healthiest. You had some spinal problems, if I remember correctly, because it's exactly what happened to me. And like I was reading your bio and I hadn't done that before until a couple days ago mm. on your website. And literally, I lost feeling in my leg for like a month, went mm. to the doctor. They diagnosed me with the exact same thing, degenerative disc disease. I have been trying my best to transition my life to get rid of this this pain, this problem that they told me that I was going to have for the rest of my life. So when I saw that with you and how you were able to combat that, dude, that like really pumped me up. So just to start, can you give, can you give us a little background on how you got to here? And then maybe if we're all lucky, you can send us a selfie of your abs or something. <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah. So my, my story, I definitely didn't think that I would be in the health space. You know, maybe an athlete from the athlete perspective, but, you know, and I, I try to communicate this as much as possible. There's a big difference between fitness and health, right? There's a big difference between fitness and health. There are a lot of very, very fit people who are extremely unhealthy, yeah. like literally eating Skittles on the sidelines, right? <laughs> and and they're, and they're just there so they don't get fined. You know, so you there's there's this really interesting paradox, and I see this so frequently athletes, when their playing days are over, end up being the first people to uh, come down with diabetes, cancer situations, heart disease, early death. You know, so professional NFL players, for example, their lifespan is 10 years shorter than the average person. You know, and I actually just had on um, Pro Bowl, a retired uh, NFL Pro Bowl quarterback, uh, Jeff Blake, and just talking through these symptoms and this, this kind of natural sequence that happens when people mistake fitness and health. But there are also a lot of incredibly healthy people who are very, very fit, you know? And so my story was, you know, I was a fit guy, but I was extremely unhealthy and I was on the college diet, you know? So this is when I'm 20 years old and I'm jamming like (laughs) McDonald's breakfast if I get up in time. So it's like uh, hot cakes. And you were high rolling. Yeah, I mean, what's the difference between a hot cake and a pancake? I still don't know, but I was eating hot cakes and, and sausage and then, you know, usually some kind of Chinese food or pizza or something like that for, for dinner, maybe a sandwich. And that's how I was living my life. And 20 years old is when I get diagnosed with this degenerative disc disease, like you mentioned, or degenerative spinal disease, because I also had some issues with my bones. Mm-hmm. And go to see the physician. He tells me that there is nothing you can do about the situation. And... I still to this day, and this is why I like talking with audiences like this, because being aware of the muse, you know, like this creative opening, this ability to have something manifest within us and and from us that we didn't even know was there. And I still to this day don't know why I asked this question, but I asked him, does this have anything to do with what I'm eating? 
And he looked at me like I was crazy. Like he looked at me like, <laughs> what? Like what's wrong with you, you know? And he said, this has nothing to do with what you're eating. But then he proceeded to write me a prescription so that I can eat some drugs, right? <laughs> this has nothing to do with what you're putting in your mouth, but go ahead and put these pills in your mouth anyways. And so that's the paradigm I was dealing with. But because I was so disempowered in my own body, I didn't know anything about myself. I just did what he said. You yeah. know, I did, I was a good little student or soldier and I did what he said and just proceeded to have my life unravel from that point. You know, I ended up gaining uh, about 50 pounds over the course of the next two, two and a half years, definitely dipped into a state of depression and just things were looking very bleak for me. I kept dropping a lot of classes. So I ended up being like a super duper senior uh, when I finally did graduate because I just had difficulty getting around. And to be honest, it was embarrassing because, you know, I, I was wearing this back brace and Whenever I would stand up after sitting, I would get kind of like this little shock go down my leg and it just kind of like literally physically made me jerk. And so I'm looking like a straight crazy person, you know, walking yeah. around on campus. And so, you know, it, it was a really tough time, but everything changed when I actually made the decision to get well. And it's, it's so subtle that it probably was missed by a lot of people, but most people never actually make the decision to do a thing. They just say, you know, I'll try. I hope it happens. We'll see what happens. I'll give it a shot. Instead of like, when you make a real decision, I'm a big student of lexicon too, as you know. The word decision is from the Latin day, meaning from, and kaidir, which means to cut. So when you make a real decision about something, you cut away the possibility of anything but that thing. You know, so when somebody stops, makes a decision to stop smoking, they don't count the days, you know, like, oh, it's been 31 days since my last cigarette. You're a non-smoker now. You're not you're not even thinking about it because you made the decision to be a non-smoker. Yeah. So when I made the decision to get well, everything changed. And it wasn't like, you know, a little unicorn came out with a blanket for me and, you know, and, and, and the clouds <laughs> parted. It wasn't like that. It was, I had this sense of peace and urgency at the same time because I knew who I was and I knew what I was about finally because I asked questions. I asked, you know, what is it that I need to do to change? What is my spine made of? If they're saying that these my tissues are degenerating, what do I need to do to regenerate them? You know, and and so what I did was I put a plan together, which over the next course of the next six weeks, and the plan had three pro, uh, different prongs to it. One of them I wasn't aware of until recently, actually, that I had that I'd done this. But right nutrition, right movement, and sleep, rest and recovery. This was huge. I naturally started to sleep. Uh, better, which we could talk about that in a minute. But bottom line is, over the over the course of that six weeks, I lost thirty pounds, and the pain that I was experiencing every waking moment for two and a half years that I had to medicate myself just to sleep, that pain was gone. It was as if I had never been in pain a day in my life. And wow. when I finally went back to get the scan done, uh, this was about this this about nine months later. Uh, the physician put it up for me to see it. My the the disc had literally gained size. They gained some of the juiciness back into them. And the two, and I had two ruptured discs and they both retracted on their own. What? And so he was like, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And that was the last time that I saw him because, you know, he, there's the same people that are telling me this was not possible. Did you give him and, a wedgie before you left? <laughs> you should I have. Gave him, I gave him a mental wedgie. And so, <laughs> wow, mental, that's probably the first time that's ever been said. So, <laughs> And from that, from that point, you know, people, I was still in my university and people saw the transformation and, and it didn't look like a guy who lost weight. I looked like a guy who had 
tremendous vitality. You know, because you could see somebody who lost weight. You know, they might have an apple shape and they just become like a smaller apple, right? Yeah. But yeah. when somebody actually gets healthy and changes their body from the inside out, they have this glow and this vitality. And so people started to ask me for help, you know, students, my professors. And that was the birthing of my career. I shifted my course of study in, in college over to biology and the rest is history. Well, just curious with that, with that disease in general, what, what were some of the things that you did, like some of the main things that you changed in your life that helped combat that disease and, and really stand out to you the most? Sure thing. So for me, being a former athlete, the lowest hanging fruit was movement, exercise. And this was something, it was a complete opposite of what the physicians were telling. And I had gotten multiple opinions. I saw three other doctors, or three or four, and they were saying the same thing. You know, be careful. Don't do this. Lots of bed rest. How are we going to put a young man on bed rest for two years? Ugh. You know, and so your body really works on this premise. If you don't use it, you lose it. And literally, here's something that is clinically proven. Your body requires movement in order to heal itself. Okay, your body requires movement in order to heal itself. There was a fascinating study that was done with horses, and they were trying to improve the bone density of the horses, the race horses, because if a horse breaks its leg, this is grounds for the horse to be, you know, put put down, put to sleep. And so they wanted to increase the bone density. And so they were giving the horses supplements, the control group. Then they there was another group of horses that they gave them supplements, but they also walked the horses. At the end of the study, they found that the horses that were not walked but given supplements, their increase in, in their um, bone density was negligible. It's almost nothing. However, the horses that were given the supplements and walked had a statistically valid, um, what was the percent? It was like five or 6% increase in their bone density, which is pretty significant for them just giving them a supplement. And that, when I saw this study, it was just like, wow, if I'm gonna be eating all this good food, I actually need to move so the body can push it and, and assimilate it where it needs to go. And so that's number one was movement. Number two was right nutrition. And with that, and by the way, with the movement, so I started off, and this is so important for anybody who's in pain. If it's an acute situation where you're, it's just happened and you're inflamed for a day or two, of course, take it easy, lay off of it. But after that, you need to do what you can, right? That doesn't mean if you got a back, like, you know, this particular back issue, I'm going to go and start deadlifting 500 pounds. That's stupid, you know, but I can go and start walking. I can go and start doing, you know, some lateral pull downs, maybe some, you know, some, some dumbbell presses or some lunges or something. I can go and do what I can. And so that's what I did. And I just progressed as I could progress. And so the right nutrition was based on the premise of, so, okay, my spine is degenerating. What is my spine made of? And that question really triggered a lot of research for me. And so some of the things were like, and things I would never heard of or never even thought were relevant, like sulfur bearing amino acids, vitamin C. It's yeah. like vitamin C is like something I was thinking I was getting from Sunny Delight, you know. For you my getting some trace minerals too? Yeah, of, of course. In Sunny Delight, we're getting, yeah, all that stuff. No, but the trace minerals are critical as well because trace minerals are essentially minerals do these really interesting um, activities of communication. Like certain processes can't happen without minerals being there. Uh, the trace minerals and also the larger minerals like magnesium. Like magnesium is responsible for over 300 processes the body needs to do. One of them is building your bone. 
Okay, so calcium can't do anything unless magnesium is present. So all this stuff works together. And, and so, like when I when I did it, when I went and got tested as far as like blood, hair, urine, and I had to go to a holistic doctor because I'd saw so many other doctors that just couldn't help me. Um, I, it, my results came back strange because I had absolutely zero boron in my body, which apparently yeah. allows your body to absorb calcium. And so they were telling me that my bones were basically extremely deficient which can be contributing to something like this, obviously. Um, So I'm just wondering for everybody else out there, like everyone's going to be a little different, I guess, but would they have to go get that kind of like a hair urine uh, blood sample to figure out what exactly is wrong with them or their main things that you see in common with a lot of people that are having problems? This is the thing, man. I've been in in clinical practice so long and I've had the opportunity to talk to so many like world-class physicians and people who do these different diagnostic tests, none of these tests is going to tell you the whole story. Yeah. Ever. None. You know, no matter how complete they say it is, and they're going to do all this stuff and check what your genes are doing and all these things, it's never going to tell the whole story because you are a unique phenomenon that testing for you is not going to show up the same for the next person no matter what. But they can give us a good place to look. You know, so the first thing, before you even spend money to go invest in getting any testing done, just do the basics first. And so much benefit can come from that. So I stopped seeking vitamin C in Sunny Delight and started to eat higher quality foods that had bioavailable vitamin C in it. Yeah. And so vitamin C is critical for regenerating tissues. I didn't know that. I just thought it was for my immune system, you know, because of commercial. But <laughs> so I started to like look at these foods that have the, not like the high vitamin C, but like what's the best, the number one. And according to the research, the most dense source of vitamin C in the world of any food is this, uh, it's, it's a berry called camu camu berry. And it's about 3% vitamin C by weight. And just to give a comparison, if you look at oranges, uh, which is known as a high vitamin C food, it's about 60, uh, I'm sorry, 30 to 60% more vitamin C than oranges. Okay? Yeah, and, and there's so, a lot of vegetables that have a higher vitamin C rate than oranges too, right? That's right. Like, doesn't broccoli it, have a very high rate? It does. Yeah. Peppers. I probably learned also, that on your show. <laughs> and also chocolate. chocolate. Yeah, chocolate, yeah. It's a high source of vitamin C. The actual, not the powder, but the actual chocolate nib or chocolate bean, which is really a seed of a fruit. So there were so many different things I started to learn about, and I just started to play with this stuff and get all this like really high-quality, real food, whole food into my body, and my body knew what to do with it. So it's really simple as that. Man, that's so incredible. Like, cause I, I used to be a bum, man. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I was, I was a slob in general. I was probably sleeping face down, pants down, in between the TV and the kitchen, surrounded by <laughs> empty whiskey bottles and like fruity pebble boxes, and probably not a drop of drinking water anywhere near the facility. Like, yeah. I'm, I made that drastic change about two years ago to becoming the happiest and healthiest version of myself possible, right? I wanted to transition from that corporate American dream to doing something for myself with meaning uh, instead of just laying around and pooping my pants and sucking my thumb all day. And too many of us never get out of that groove, right? Like we just latch on to what everybody else is doing and there's never any meeting. So now I'm literally out running half marathons. I, ne- I couldn't even run a quarter mile before, man. Mm. Uh, I'm doing a little yoga because my girlfriend teaches it. And that is just, every time I do it, it's like you're, I get this like high afterwards. It's so mm. amazing. And drinking a minimum of a gallon of water per day and eating the best that I can. And I yeah. think that I need to get more into the 
diving into uh, what kind of ways foods can generate pure vitamins to you. But I have a question for you, like related to the water real quick before I forget. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is just funny because when I used to never drink any water, I used to never be thirsty, but now that I drink like Mm -hmm. a gallon of water per day, and this can happen like Mm -hmm. in one day, if you spend one day and you drink a gallon of water, you'll notice by the end of that day that you're thirsty and you're not like, Oh, I don't want any more water. I feel full. Why, why is that? That's a great question. Uh, there's a couple of things. So your body has this really interesting process of downregulation when something is not valid, you know? So if your body, and this is all controlled in the hypothalamus of your brain. So this is known as like the master gland in your brain controls your thirst and your hunger signals. So if somebody's like you and I, who are just going through life, we might like guzzle down a soda or some juice or some alcohol, but water, mm, not so much, yeah. you know? And so that signal in our brain that's calling out for hydration is very similar to the signal for hunger. You know, so we'll tend to just go and jam down some more food because also food is funner. You know, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a more fun thing to do is to have another party in my mouth with whatever food <laughs> that I'm eating, you know, Apple Jacks or whatever I'm going to eat. And so that, when that signal starts to get crossed up, we'll literally start to negate it. And plus, you know, the thing is you can still differentiate if you were in your body and paying attention to how you feel. But were you doing that? Was I doing that? Absolutely not. You know, you were like hammered out of your mind and I was just like medicating myself with pharmaceutical drugs and, and, and Madden football, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so this is really what it boils down to is when you start to clean the palate, when you start to pay more attention, all these things start turning on again. And what's so interesting in talking specifically about the disc in our back, if you think about the way that they look, you know, they're, they're kind of like these little cushions, right? And they're supposed to be, a lot of people believe it's like for shock absorption, but really they provide mobility of the spine being able, able to move and to flex. Hmm. And so with this degeneration, these discs are starting to lose their juiciness, right? Their hydration. So here's the issue with that. If you're drinking a lot of water, well, you, you're just like, okay, I just need to get more water to my, to my back. So I'm going to start drinking five glasses of water a day. The problem with that is that your, the disc in your back are there. It's something they're called non-vascular. It's non-vascular. So that means nutrient supply doesn't get there directly, right? Blood doesn't flow there directly. So your spine actually gets hydrated through a process called remote diffusion. We don't got to get all into the, the geeky stuff about it, but bottom line is it takes a lot of hydration for your body to even get to that point where it's able to do that. Because the water is going to be going to your blood first, for your brain, your gastrointestinal tract, and whatever is left over is finally going to get to the hydration for your discs. And this is why you drinking so much water is really so beneficial. And so that's number one is you'll actually turn on the signal again so that's more intelligent. Number two, and this is a not so good reason possibly, is that the quality of water that a person might be drinking might not be hydrating them properly. And it's, they're getting like a false sense of, you know, I'm drinking water, but your body's like, uh-uh, I need something else. So it could be one of these things or both, a combination. And I, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, you you actually have an, an episode you did on your show, which everyone should listen to. And you do nothing but talk about water and water quality and everything there is to know about water, which was, I think, I mean, still one of my favorite episodes because I learned so much. Like you get into these crazy details, like that's 
the size of the cells and the water molecules and like all this, I don't know, all sorts of crazy shit. But as soon as I got done listening to that, I got on the, you'd mentioned findaspring.com, right? Yeah, yeah. And I actually found a really good uh, natural spring within 30 minutes of my house. So I've been jugging it ever since. And oh, it's it's been incredible. Now when I go drink like a bottle of water, I can just taste chemicals. It's so bad. Yes, but you, I mean, you hit the jackpot. That's so awesome. Yeah, so... Hello, this is Todd. I just wanted to let you know about this little special on Amazon. With Amazon Audible, you can get a sensual, sexy audiobook for free in a free 30-day trial. Comes along with it. If you go to artsynow.com forward slash book, you can check right into your sexual side. You could get yourself a little romance novel, maybe even a little self-help on the sexual side of life. Don't miss out. Artsynow.com forward slash book. The only thing that holds me and my partner together. Ta-ta. Well, cool, man. I'm going to move into that health and creativity now just because we have a limited amount of time and and I really want to tackle this for the, the audience out there. But I know when, I guess I start, I know when I exercise all these thoughts popping into my head, right? Ideas, the muse, the heavens, whatever you want to call them. Why does this happen? Why does that stem creativity? Mm, Great question. There's so many factors here, but I'm just going to have Captain Obvious step to the, to the forefront here. And number one is if, if we really think about the mind and the mind is different from the brain. So There's a distinction because your mind is not just located in your head. You know, your mind, like literally even your toes, has this this presence, this energy. And even as I say your toes, your attention goes to your toes. Yeah. Right? (laughs) And so it's not just your brain is, is where your mind is located. It's your whole being. And so the mind really operates on circulation and kind of like this drive to get into flow, to get into synchronicity with life itself, okay? Because the crazy thing is every creature on the planet is at home in their habitat, right? They're, they're, they're in sync with life and with nature, except us, yeah. except humans and the, and the animals we domesticate, right? We make them like us. We'll put a sweater on our dog, right? <laughs> Get him a nice little, <laughs> take him to a nice dog school, and we domesticate our, our domesticated animals are um, in the same kind of boat that we are. We're kind of disconnected from reality, and so when you exercise, it's really getting to like a primal activation, you know. So we've actually got three different brains that have evolved on top of each other. So we've got the um, amygdala, which is often referred to as the quote reptilian brain, mm-hmm. and this part of your brain is only concerned about survival. That's it survival. And that part of your brain can get active. Like whenever you, if, you know, if somebody cuts you Explosion off, goes off or something. Yeah. Yeah. If you hear a car backfire or whatever, like that kind of stuff, it's the fight or flight mechanism. And it's important for us. But the thing is it can get hijacked and turned on. We call it a amygdala hijack for random stuff. You know, like if somebody, if you hold the door for somebody and they don't say thank you, right? Yeah. There's yeah. like a little meme going on out there about that. But, you know, and just like, what? 
why did I even do it? What's wrong with you? You know, but <laughs> anyway, so it can be small stuff and I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that amygdala is really driven by survival. The second part of the brain that really evolved on top of that one is called the limbic brain. And this part of your brain is known as the more emotional brain. Other mammals have higher, uh, very evolved limbic brains, not like we do, but they're pretty evolved. And this part of the brain is concern, concerned with the four Fs, fighting, fleeing, feeding, and fornication, <laughs> right? And yeah. so that's what that part of the brain is really geared towards. And then we have the more evolved, quote, human brain, you know, the uh, prefrontal cortex. This is the most evolved brain that we know about in existence. And this is what makes us us. And the ability for us to even talk and you're like on the other side of the country and we've got like this weird metal thing and, you know, and, and just to be able to, to communicate and to think externally of what our current circumstances are, right? The amygdala is very short-sighted. It's all about right now I'm in my body, fear, right? Survival. The human part of our brain, when we're in, in a more of a state of peace, can think about the past, can think about the future, can think about creation. And so by activating all parts of our brain via exercise and movement, it really kind of helps to tap us back into what's all what's going on with life itself. You know, and it's a very it's it's a primal thing that we're directly tapped into, no matter how domesticated we are. You know, even if you're exercising in the throes of like your um, you know, your your Kanye West level mansion, it's still going to tap you into the muse, you know, like to to creativity. And so that's one thing. Another thing that a lot of people might be like, you know, I get a lot of ideas in the shower, right? I get a lot of ideas in the shower. Why is that? Interesting. It's because I, that, go ahead. I only, I only take bubble baths, Sean. I knew that. I knew that <laughs> uh, with the candles. So here's the thing is that. <laughs> the rubber duckies and the floaters. <laughs> And so here's the thing. So people, a lot of people get ideas in the shower. And some people I know even have like these um, waterproof notepad things they'll put like on yeah, the Yeah, I've seen shower. those. You know, it's just, it's really interesting. And this is because oftentimes for a lot of us in the modern kind of concrete jungles, it's the only time we get grounded. We get grounded because that water is coming through grounded pipes that are actually in connection, touching the earth itself. Mm -hmm. So most of us never actually touch the earth on a regular basis. And because of our rubber soled shoes. You got to walk around barefoot. Yeah, we're just going right from our car to our job, to our car, to our house. And we never actually touch the earth. And the earth is brimming with these, what's known as free electrons. And they help to basically fit into um, receptor sites that are missing an electron and that are causing inflammation in your body. Okay, you're kind of like just even building up a lot of static electricity and it helps your body when you get grounded because that's why your house can get hit by lightning and it won't blow everything out because it'll go through the grounding wire and it'll go get dispersed into the planet. And so when you're in the shower, you're actually getting grounded. You're getting connected to the earth. And there's tons of research on this. I don't want to get too, too like, you know, with, with this because we could. But really, this is, there's really sound science behind you getting in contact with Earth and your parasympathetic nervous system. So this is the opposite of the sympathetic nervous system, which is, again, fight or flight. The parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest, clarity, peace. You get into that state and creativity opens up. You know? So those are just a couple of things. So the uh, movement, 
and also getting grounded. Those, those are just a couple of things that can really help to open up more creativity. Yeah, and with the transition from like traditional workforces to now, you see a lot of people doing these walking meetings to generate ideas. You see workplaces transforming into a more creative atmosphere uh, to, to keep people happy and engaged, which is, I think, the, the way that everything needs to go. I, I do love the fact that you're seeing offices start to have uh, days where they spend the whole day outside working, right? Because you can take your shoes off, you can connect with the earth like that, which I think is insanely healthy. But yeah. um, how, how do you think being creative affects or can play a positive role in your health? Mm. This is a great question. Like you said before, it's like, this is a virtuous circle. Instead of a vicious circle, it's a virtuous circle yeah. of your creativity feeding your health and health feeding creativity. Um, so what's so interesting is that when you change the way that you're eating, and this was kind of my path to enlightenment, you know, it was like through food. And you start to give your body all of these raw, this raw material that it needs to like build a better house, you know. And what that does is it starts to open up faculties of your, of your brain, not just your mind, but your brain actually functioning at a higher level. And with that, you know, just even feel, when you start to feel good, you know, so again, let me back up. So eating this higher quality food is coming into my body. And it's turning on dormant faculties, you know, so my, my circulation is better. My lymphatic system is working better. My gastrointestinal system is working better. My heart is working better. My brain is working better. My liver is working better. Everything is improving. So it's going to open up this energy. And what do we do when we feel energetic? We feel like connecting with other people. We feel like creating and growing. It's a, no matter how uncreative a person might think they are, it's a natural human drive to want to be more, you know, to want to grow, to develop. You know? But we get, a lot of people get disconnected from that because they don't feel good. It's in, it's so hard to do anything if you don't feel good, mm-hmm. you know. And and anybody who's even been sick recently or even you know like it'll put you right back to like man, it sucks. Like I don't want to. Everything is harder when you don't feel good. So when you start to feel good, it just opens up this capacity, and so that leads to this creative opening. And now how does the creativity help with the, with the health? Well, in my experience, it, it, it makes it, I don't even, I've never talked about this before, but it makes it so that my creativity is really driven to feed into my health again so I can have more creativity. Yeah. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I'm all, I'm like opening my mind and looking for new ways interviewing people, asking questions in a creative fashion. You know, I want to create more so that I'm able to do more for myself, right? Feel better. Yes. And then so I'm doing more for myself so that I can give to others and create. And it just becomes this really interesting virtuous circle that gets created, you know? So creativity lends to health in that way. I hope that made sense. It's kind of like a really metaphysical idea. No, it does. It's such a, it's such a hard question to answer. And that's, I've never been able to figure out a a great way to explain it. I mean, and that makes perfect sense. Like I had Dr. George Seike on the show and he is a guy who literally um, threw out all the rules of being a professor. He came from Hungary. He's in the United States and he's the head of art here at the university of Kentucky. But he literally like throws everything out of the classroom, the paintbrushes, everything like that, and and makes his students teach younger students how to be creative 
with everything around him in the in the world. Like he's outside dragging like grass blades and rocks over canvases um, because he knows specifically that creativity drives and it inspires these students to become a better person, which in turn makes them healthier um, just from the way that they're thinking and being engaged with nature. So like, it's just all these different angles are crazy, like to think about, but it's, it's seriously one of the most healthy things you can do. You have to be creative to survive. That you just said it, you just said it, you know, there's this driving force that opens up with the creativity, excuse me, of how can I, can, how can I have this happen more or better? And definitely, how can I make it so that I don't go backwards or so that bad things don't happen? You know, we're really driven. A lot of us, you know, it's like this carrot and stick um, kind of basic psychological approach. You know, some people are more motivated by pain than pleasure, but we're all motivated by both. You know, so even when your brain is like thinking of and this is what makes us so interesting as a as this kind of anomaly on the planet is that we can really create our own environment. You know, whereas like everything else is their product of their environment and we can create our own environment. And so we can create environments. And even that word create is derivative of creative. Right. It's the kind of prefix for it. So we can create our own environment that protects us from harm. We can create our own environment that lends itself to having more health and well-being, which for a lot of us, we have created our environments to be the exact opposite. You see, even as I'm standing here talking to you, I'm standing here because right. I have a standing desk. Yeah. Whereas for years, and even when you when you when, it, when you put a child in the school, and the child is just all about play, full on play all the time, and now it's like you go ahead and I want you to sit down for seven hours a day at this desk. Good luck. Yeah. Right. And the best kids are the one that just shut up and do what they're supposed to do. You know, get the good grades and keep it moving. And we start to pull away a lot of that creativity, don't we? Mm. We start to lose a lot of that. And then we try and get it back in art class, right? One hour of our schedule once a year, you know? And so it's really kind of twisted up how we've approached things. And a lot of people who've like changed society so dramatically in positive ways are, have been a lot of people who didn't go the traditional route with school. You know, a lot of very, very successful people um, didn't graduate from high school. And I'm not saying that, you know, that that's a way to get to creativity because, I mean, there's obviously people who have doctorates who are extremely creative. But Einstein said this. He said, it's a, it's a miracle that curiosity survives formal education. Right? Yeah. What a powerful statement. Because he knew that that will kind of literally just kind of drain it out of you. But the great thing about us is that you know, we, we have this infinite potential and we can, we can, we can discover it again. It just takes more work, uh, when you get into that kind of system. And I didn't mean to get off on a tangent about the school system, but it sucks. No, I know. I'd heard you talking in a recent episode on your show about how they had just implemented the first like standing desk class, um, in a kindergarten, I think you guys were talking about and yeah, they're studying so it. That's pretty awesome. That was Dr. Kelly Starrett. He, he actually, yeah. Invested in getting stand-up desk for his kids' classroom. Man, and how how incredible! Incredible, right? That's in San Francisco, and so and and they've actually been studying this that the kids are more productive. They're 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 getting in less kind of like um, you know, uh, not conflicts. They're not like getting in trouble, but uh, just less um, petty behavior behavioral problems. Yeah, 
you know, all that stuff. And so each grade that they go up, they get new desk. And so then the, the ones that they bought previously stay in the other classroom. So it's starting to create like the whole school to have these stand-up desks. And the kids, you have the option, you know, like I've got my chair right here if I want to sit down or you get yourself a stool or, you know, my friend Daniel Vitalis has this bar over his desk that he'll actually just kind of literally hang on, like kind of grab it and just kind of move oh, around. That's a like good that. idea. Right. I thought yeah. it was brilliant. I was like, ah, I got to get that. And so, you know, there's a lot of creative ways to do this. And, and what you find also is that your energy, because your mind is everywhere, gets stagnant if you sit too much. Yeah. You know, so just getting up and again, get, being active, it just helps for your, for, your, for your energy to circulate and also for these creative openings to happen, in my opinion. <laughs> two, two years ago when I made the transition, uh, I built a bar down in my basement. You know, I was drinking a lot and that was what I thought was like an ultimate, you know, pinnacle. And now it literally serves as a standing desk. Like I've got a monitor on there. It's perfect height, but it's crazy. But the bar at the desk, like just on that subject, like for people that have to sit down all day, drive all day, or if you're an artist or something where you're sitting and painting all day, are there certain exercises or stretches or anything that you can think of that you should do or should you do them before and after? Or like, I know when you do that, you're punishing your body, right? Is there a way to reverse that by doing something else throughout the day because i've i've listened to a lot of people say that going on a one mile run isn't going to make up for sitting 10 hours throughout the day oh yeah i mean and there's so many different things so one of the first things that starts to happen is uh your blood begins to pool in certain parts of your body uh, and your lymphatic system becomes stagnant so what is your lymphatic system i said this a couple of times or at least once but your lymphatic system is basically your cellular waste management system, right? So your body is pushing out a lot of like metabolic waste products and, and, and debris via your lymphatic system. You got four times more lymph fluid than you have blood. And your lymphatic system doesn't have a pump like your circulatory system does. So it literally doesn't move unless you move. Movement is how the lymphatic system moves. So it starts to pull, right? And, and people have probably heard of like your lymph nodes, like in... Um, for, for individuals who've experienced breast cancer, the lymphatic system has all these, um, <clears throat> these nodes that can just kind of pull up and become like little cesspools, basically, and create a, a great environment for disease to manifest. So movement is so important and so critical. So that's just a couple of things. And also, just, this is the Captain Obvious stuff is the impact on your back. It's not your back. That's really a problem unless you've got like super poor posture and hunched over like you know, Quasimodo. You're, if you're yeah. not doing that, it's not that. It's that your your hip flexors. So like the area like near your groin, yeah, those muscles start to get tight. And you might not know this, but because your body's like this very beautiful system of like levers and pulleys, those muscles get tight and they start to pull on your, your, your lower back muscles. Because they're actually, it, it's something called lower cl- cross syndrome where, you know, you're, you're, abdominals and basically your upper hamstrings, your butt kind of go together in one like dot, you know, cross. And then the other cross is your lower back and your hip flexors. So sitting a long time shortens your hip flexors. And what you want to do is definitely after a a time period of sitting for an extended amount of time, you want to stretch your hip flexors. And it's kind of hard to explain what that looks like, but basically you get down on one knee and the other knee is behind you and kind of like both knees are at a 90 degree angle. And you just push your hips forward, okay? Mm-hmm. You're not like pushing your hips forward so much that you're like, 
your butt is getting close to your front heel, just enough so that you feel the stretch and you kind of tuck your hips under. So, and of course, I mean, maybe you could throw a video in of a demonstration of a hip flexor uh, stretch, but so that's one of the big issues is, is physical pain, you know, with back problems and things of that nature. But also it's just not good for your, your circulatory system, your lymphatic system, your, your um, insulin sensitivity starts to go down. It's just, it's a sucky thing, you know? And, and the thing is we've got so conditioned to being snuggled up on our couches and really have gotten away from our more primal nature of movement. Yeah. Yeah. We've gone through a transition, getting rid of all of our furniture and TVs and things, which have helped because you're, you're on your feet, right. And you're, you're more connected, but that those stretches with your hip, it, it like blows my mind because I would have never thought that until I went to, you know, the Dr. Verl Hunter, who I talked about earlier, he, he literally just like laid me down and just started going to town on that area in mm -hmm. the hip, the groin and in those areas, like it hurt so bad, but I didn't have back pain for like three or four weeks after that. And I was mm -hmm. having it every day. Mm -hmm. And so now Lindsay teaches yoga and she has me do all these hip stretches and it helps just an unbelievable amount. Like it's crazy to me. So, um, yeah, cool. So everybody, should, what about the little balls that you can roll around on? Like, I, I know she's got those like yoga rollers that I can roll up and down on my back for a little bit. It makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, it, it just depends. It depends on the person because we've all got mu uh, muscle imbalances that are unique to us, yeah. you know. But there's like the lacrosse balls and the um, the foam rollers and things like that. But it just really depends on the person and what your own domesticated inactivity is lacrosse balls cool yeah she coaches lacrosse too so that'll work for me well awesome can you can you mention just real quick a couple of the uh, maybe vital supplements or, or vitamins or minerals or or superfoods or whatever that you're a fan of that you think can contribute to better performance or better creativity sure and man there's so many yeah i know <laughs> um but the real thing like the 99 percent of it is just eating real food you know, stuff that you can actually recognize where it comes from. You can see the food and know that it came from like a, a tree or the ground or a bush or an animal. You can know exactly where it came from. Whereas like, and I mentioned earlier, Apple Jacks. If you were, <laughs> if you were like from another planet and you saw some Apple Jacks, so first of all, welcome. Welcome to Earth. Yeah. If you see the Apple Jack, you wouldn't have any idea about where that food came from if you understood the um, the food cycle on this planet because it's lost its essence. So that's 99% of the deal is just eating real food. But to get to that one, that 1% 1 that can make a difference, uh, there's so many things. Uh, one of my favorite things is just, first of all, understanding the structure of the brain itself is mostly fat. Your brain is mostly fat and, and a nice percentage of saturated fat, which we've been marketed to that saturated fat in particular was bad for you. And if you're eating like I mean, just like triple cooked bacon every day. I mean, that might be a little bit of a problem, but even still, like the research is just so profound on how beneficial saturated fats are. And I actually did an article breaking down all these benefits because I mean, I was scared. I was scared to eat coconut oil, you know, going on like, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I found out about it. And I was like, and I'm taking a bite. I'm like, I know it's going to kill me. I know it's going to kill me. But I didn't do anything but get healthier and leaner and crazy things. So your brain is mostly fat. Saturated fat is a big component. So um, Interesting. I didn't getting those things into your body, coconut oil is a really potent brain food. Uh, also, it's great for your thyroid gland. You know, it's like a tonic for your thyroid. 
Um, and any other foods that really have that uh, good structure, like MCT oil, is derived from coconut oil as well. So those are two things, and I like to blend those into teas. So hot teas, and I've been doing this too, fatty coffee, the caveman coffee, whatever, whether blending it with coffee, well, that's all good, but I'm not really a big fan of coffee. Not because of the benefits or lack thereof, it's because I just don't dig the taste. I like teas. Yeah. So a great brain food um, with the, all the different antioxidants that are found in green tea, you know? There's so many great valuable things there that lead to neuro, neurological health found in green tea. So I'll blend that into our yerba mate, for example. Yeah, as you said, I drink a lot of mate. Yeah. And so I'll blend that in there. And uh, another thing would be the medicinal mushrooms. And these are not like, these are not shrooms, right? <laughs> these are not like you take these and you start seeing literally like Shakespeare shows up and you guys write a play together. Right, out on a Kentucky right? farm picking psilocybin out of a big pile of cow dew. Uh-huh. Yeah. Whatever it takes. You know, some people will go do whatever it takes to get the shrooms. But, you know, the, the, these are medicinal mushrooms. These are things that have a storied, documented history. Some of them upwards, like over 5,000 years. Rishi, is that how you say it? Yeah. Uh, Rishi. Rishi. Yeah. Um, Ganoderma is a scientific name. Uh, then we've got cordyceps. There's lion's mane. There's chaga. There's turkey tail. There's maitake, shiitake. There's so many. Yeah, shiitake is um, so good. But rishi is the one as far as like we're talking about creativity. Rishi, according to Chinese medicine, by the way, every mush- medicinal mushroom I just mentioned, if you Google any of them and like uh, studies on uh, benefits of rishi, and you can look at the real clinical studies done on it on its efficacy, and it will blow your mind. Like um, I don't, I get these mixed up. Amia, maitake or shiitake, one of them is incredibly beneficial, clinically proven to uh, reduce um, high blood pressure. Yeah. You know, so they've got some tremendous benefits. But in the Chinese med- medicinal system, five thousand years of documented history, reishi, they've got it's called the three treasures. So you've got your jing, your or your jing, your qi. And your shin, okay, the shin. And so I don't want to get all into what these different things are, but the bottom line is this is that shin, well, I gotta say it. I can't bring it up and not say it. So <laughs> the chi is like your daily energy. All right. It's your it's it's your daily fire. And a lot of us, we burn through our chi before the day even starts. Yeah. And so your life force, like what you're born with and given to live out your entire life in their system, their belief is, is your jing. And if you burn out your chi, you start dipping into your jing and taking days off your life. All right. So those are the two different things. And then wow. you have then you have your shin, which is your spiritual energy. And rishi is is one of the things in the medicinal system that works on your shin. Okay. So put in a little bit of open up at a couple capsules of rishi and putting into your little tea drink and blending that up. If you want it to taste a little nice, you know, put some maybe a couple drops of stevia. There you go. Uh, one last thing I'll share that I I don't think I've talked about in a long time is um and, and it's it's kind of gotten a little it's a little bit forgotten now but ginkgo biloba biloba works on both lobes of the brain and it helps with whole brain um whole brain communication so that's another thing people might want to look into and I could just go on and on there's a lot but there's also a lot there in what I shared and people can start playing with that stuff can you get like ginkgo biloba or reishi mushrooms can you get that at like a local health food store yep yeah easy yeah definitely 
cool. I'll have to check some of those out. I've had, I've had some toothpaste with the reishi. I've never had the tea, but I do love tea. I dominate it constantly. We grow a lot of different herbs and make, you know, kind of make our own. So it's amazing. Um, nice. do, do particular cravings mean deficiency? And I kind I have to ask you this cause I have a buddy, Matt, who's a, you know, he's obsessed with your show and he's a very healthy dude. He eats spicy salsa like a freak. Like he addictively eats it all the time and he claims that it lights up his energy, his creativity. And without it, he's kind of like a, you know, a dead moth on a cardboard box or something. Like he, <laughs> he's out there making these sick beats while high on salsa, like no joke. And the, and the spice is in the salsa. Is there like an explanation for like why somebody would be addicted to something like that? Please tell me his DJ name is DJ Salsa. <laughs> Please tell me it should that. Be. <laughs> so there's so much in that question. It's a very loaded question, but I can give you a couple of things to consider. Um, so number one, we can look at his body constitution, which this is getting into the realm of uh, Ayurvedic medicine. And in the Ayurvedic system, there are three essential body types or um, doshas are, are what they're referred to as. And this talks about your kind of dominant um, uh, disposition in not just with your body, but also your personality. And so the doshas are pitta, vata, and kapha. And pittas tend to be the more balanced body types. They can gain weight and lose weight either way by putting some attention into it and some effort. Uh, Medium build, they tend to be more aggressive, fiery attitude naturally. And they tend to be a lot of people who do a lot as far as entrepreneurship and, and um, being CEOs and leaders and, and public speakers and things of that nature. Um, but they also have a tendency towards, and they, they tend to have like more of a, a little bit of a reddish undertone and they tend to be warm. Just no matter what, if everybody else is cold, they're a little bit warmer than they are. And uh, the, the, the body type... Um, Let's see, oily, tend to have oilier skin. And that's just a couple of the things. And, and so then we move to the vata. They tend to be the thinner people. But this does not mean that they can't be skinny fat, okay? Yeah. So, But just by nature, they tend to be thinner. They tend to have uh, more frail bones, drier skin. Um, they tend to be much more, um, we'll call it uh, laid back in a way. Not necessarily, it's probably not the right word. But they're not the ones who are like hyper aggressive, but they can be very party oriented, you know. And so I'm thinking maybe this is him. But by the <laughs> way, what can what can tip people out of balance? A pitta is if they're already fiery is having too much spice. But for a vata and kapha, having more spice can actually help to um, center them or help to make them feel more at peace and more functional and energetic. Okay. Yeah. So, and I don't know him. I don't know the body type. I, you know, he's I don't very know. thin. There you have. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I know you did. <laughs> these, these people, thousands of years, figured this stuff out, you know. And so, and then the kafas tend to be the heavier set people, uh, uh, thicker boned. Um, not necessarily that they're overweight, you know, but some of they have a greater tendency to be that way when they're out of balance. And they're very sturdy. They tend to have more energy than anybody else. But when they're out of balance, they can be the laziest of anybody else. And, you know, I can go on and on with the different descriptions. But people, I mean, I've actually got a, a quiz in one of my programs called the Fat Loss Code. Where people get to kind of take this dosha quiz, which I've lined up with the metabolic typing of today. Which 
each one of those categories of people I talked about fit a certain macronutrient better. So pittas work better with protein foods, higher ratio of protein in their diet, for example. You know, so people could figure that stuff out if they want to check out the program. But other than, or just go to Dr. Google. You know, I'm sure you can yeah, find. Where, where is the where is your program at? So it's thefatlosscode.com. People could check it out cool. there. I'll put a link so, in the show notes as well. Yeah, so that's that's the first thing to look at is his body constitution. You know, but then on the other side, it could be a craving due to something, a deficiency in his body or possibly, especially if it's super spicy stuff, his body's like calling for him to kill something. You know, maybe there's some, you know, some stowaways in his body. It it is super spicy. I mean, he's like the hot sauce spice master. Yeah. And again, this is like, this doesn't mean what I'm saying is relevant here because we also already, he's a thinner guy. Vata, they tend to be a little bit colder by nature. And so the spicy is good to kind of balance them out. And, um, but also, yeah, some people, your body can drive you to consume certain things because it's trying to fix a deficiency or to, to get rid of a problem. You know, it just depends on how in touch we are with our, with our physiology. Well, dude, my um, mind is blown. You, you're amazing. Like if anybody has listened through this episode, obviously they're going to have to go check out your podcast because every single episode is this intense. Uh, he explains everything perfectly. Like it's nuts to me. I, I honestly just like when I drive, I'll, I'll go back and listen through episodes again. Like it's such good stuff. Like it, it can't, if you're listening to it, you're only going to be able to develop yourself into a better person, into a healthier person. Um, so yeah, dude, I appreciate you coming on, man. It's been a blast. Like I have to ask you if, if you had to battle Godzilla, Sean, how do you think you would use your creativity or your talents to defeat that big, unhealthy, crazy bastard? Wow. <laughs> you know what? I would do what just came up in my mind is like, I'd have to try to find out what he wants. You know, everything on the planet wants to be happy, you know, so trying to find out what Godzilla is looking for. Maybe he's looking for a Godzilla at, you know, we've got to get into the lab and come up with a big giant lizard that he can get it on with, you know? So that's what I would do. I try to find out what he wants and seek to serve so that I can be served myself with my life. You think he's a pitta dosha? <laughs> definitely. Definitely. <laughs> hey man, what's, uh, what's up with the hat all the time? I have to ask you, what are you, what are you hiding up there on top of that brilliant brain of yours? <laughs> it's, it's nothing, man. Trade I mean, it's secret? just... It's my style, man. You I know, like it. Ever since I was a kid, it's so funny. My Nobody ever asked me about this now because it's just kind of like, you know, it's what I do. But when I was a kid, my my stepfather, he always had a, a ball cap on. I wanted to be like him, you know. Yeah. And it just became kind of part of my brand. I'm the cool guy <laughs> who just happens to be incredibly smart, you know. Yeah. And it's just like really about making smart cool and making it approachable, making it fun. And... You know, also, you know, a big component of all this stuff with people being even motivated to look into their health is make sure that it's attractive, you know. And so I'm a big driving force, like even with my brand is like making stuff attractive and sexy and clean and approachable at the same time, you know, which is a tough combination to pull off. But, you know, apparently we're we're pulling it off right now. Have you ever thought about trying to become like the next Batman? Batman. Yeah, I, did did that episode come out where I was talking about Batman? 
I don't no, know. I, I don't think I've heard oh, that. Oh, no, hasn't come out yet. Maybe when the time this published, that's going to come out. What this a coincidence. Crazy. That's crazy that you would ask me that because I did this ridiculous impersonation like 10 times. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Small world, man. Yeah. That's the creative. We're open, man, right now. The muse, man. We're, we're in the same plane right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I want everybody also to check out his book, Sleeping, Sleeping Smarter, right? Is that what it's, it's called? Take the ing off. Sleep Smarter. That's right. Okay. Uh, you go through all these different steps. I, I did want to cover how that, how that affects creativity, but literally jump on Amazon, check that out. It goes through everything. Uh, there's, there's so many cool things on there. So if not, go to his, his podcast and listen through. He talks about it so much. And before we go, do you, do you have any other awesome health influencers that you kind of follow that you think everybody else should check out? And then where can our listeners find you and get in contact uh, with you? Awesome. Well, you know, I've, I've really accumulated, uh, we're all really like a, uh, a quilt of different pieces from all the relationships we've had, the good and the not so good. And I've learned from a lot of people over the years. There's no one in person in particular. And really I don't, uh, well, unless a guest is coming on my show, I'm not really studying health and and nutrition in the standard traditional way. I'm looking at a lot of studies and kind of dry stuff like that uh, more recently and really just studying more so on, uh, I'm in, you know, we go through cycles. Right now I'm really into personal development mm -hmm. and looking at what I can do to improve myself in every area, not just my health. And so that's really what I'm into. And there's no one particular person as far as health stuff that I would call out, but a lot of the people that I learn from, I have on my show. I was going to say, you can find about 150 of them on your show. Yeah. So like <laughs> Dr. Sarah Godfrey, Dr. William Davis, uh, just to name a couple of people. And people can check out the show. It's The Model Health Show. It's The Model Health Show. And they can just search it on iTunes. We're usually there somewhere at the top of the charts. I'm really pumped and honored to be able to say that. Uh, so you can check us out there or if it's on Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast, or you can listen to it on our website is themodelhealthshow.com. And we also now we're incorporating a lot more video along with the yeah. podcast, just a little bonus, you know, but it's pretty cool, I think, for people to be in the studio with us. So you can check it out there, too. So you don't have like a Snapchat name or anything where you're sending out, you know, selfies all day? I don't even know what Snapchat is, man. It's like there's so much <laughs> stuff. I just got on the Instagram and, and Twitter, like my show, which is so crazy, like I, this is the first, well, I, I shared this with one other person, but so last month we like almost doubled our downloads. And so we got really close to like 400,000 downloads, Whoa. listener downloads, which is crazy, right? Yeah, it's huge. And with that, you know, it's just, it really kind of changed my paradigm of what's possible. And Man, I'm even getting a little choked up talking about it. But it's this is it's really just like this culmination of putting in, like just giving everything that you've got into something. Yeah. And so I didn't want to do that with social media. Like we had a Facebook page just because, you know, but like people was like, well, you got to get on Twitter. I'm like, oh, what is it? I don't want to. But <laughs> now like it. I, I, it's done. I love it, man. It's and Instagram, I love Instagram. There was another podcaster who like literally yeah, forced I like Instagram too. And so I'm loving it now. So we've got like hundreds of thousands of downloads of the podcast. I got a couple thousand people on these social media platforms. And so, but it, it make, what makes it so cool is like I'm talking to everybody there. 
you know, and I can hear these stories and I can hear the the feedback and listen to stuff about, you know, what people thought of different shows, any kind of ideas they have, you know, like I just did a show yesterday and it was really off of somebody who contacted me on social media. Um, they were like the final straw. People had asked about it before, but I did an entire show on it. And so that's going to be coming soon. So people could check me out on Twitter and on Instagram at Sean Model, S-H-A-W-N-M-O-D-E-L. And there you have it. You're kind of inspiring me to change my name to Heath Model. Do it. Don't even think about it. Just do it. I'm gonna, dude. I'm gonna find so many topless photos of you on Google and put them on our show notes that the, everybody's gonna be adding you on Twitter. So, hey, do what you you got to use what you got to get what you want. <laughs> and that is a quote from a stripper who shall not be named. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't end it any better than that, man. Well, dude. I really, really appreciate you coming on. Like, this is amazing. Like, I, it's already my favorite episode that I've ever done. We've done over 100 now, so it's incredible. I love connecting to people out there, helping them develop themselves to follow the life that they love. And learning about health and creativity is, is vital. So I hope you all took something away from this. And break the rules, but first break the rulers. Go out there, do something crazy. Do a little boogie-woogie. Give your neighbors some high fives. Pull your pants down and run around. Whatever you want to do to get acquainted with the earth and with your creativity. Sean, man, thank you so much for being the entrepreneur now, dude. And always remember to keep it super funky. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me on, man. Yeehaw! Now that was a podcast episode. That gets you pumped up, doesn't it? Doesn't that make you want to go out and just like be healthy, do something awesome, like just use your energy to just dominate your health in every way possible, drink some crystal clear water, pay attention to your diet, pay attention to what your health can do to affect your creativity, your productivity, your brain functioning. Everything about it just is so intriguing, and I hope that you find it just as interesting as I do. I want to give a shout-out to my boy, Matt Jaggers, for editing that episode for me. Uh, you did an amazing job, dude. And Matt's going to be working with me on our new project called Podcast Pal. You can get a sign-up for the email updates as we create this bad boy at podcastpal.com or just shoot me an email at create at artsynow.com. Uh, we're building an amazing resource for all of you people out there who want to podcast, and it's free, and it is incredible, and it's for all of those people out there that don't have $1,500 laying around to put themselves through a community or a course built by somebody else. I am a firm believer that you cannot get rich quick podcasting, but you can create a network of amazing entrepreneurs all over the world that will change your life. And that, my friends, is more valuable than anything ever. Uh, if you have any questions about that, hit me up at createdartsynow.com or just get on that website, podcastpal.com, and sign up for email updates. Uh, your information and the things that you want to learn are just as valuable to me as any information that I can help you with. And if you want to have a little chat on Skype about what you're trying to do, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I am definitely 100% diggity down to chat with you for like 30 minutes and we can just talk about it. I mean, it's I've got a lot of information. I, I literally built this thing up 
without even knowing what a podcast was. I didn't want to pay the premium, so I figured out the system myself. I've got it fully automated now, and I can tell you, if you just ask me some questions, I can I can basically save you the year that I spent figuring all this stuff out just by showing you. So hit me up there. Uh, Again, for all the show notes for Sean's show, artsynow.com forward slash 106. If you want to listen to some more health awesomeness, go back and listen to Jenny McElvaney's episode at artsynow.com forward slash 86, How Nutrition Will Save Your Life. Uh, She's a cancer survivor, and she did it by changing her diet, changing her exercise routine. It's a really good episode too, so check that out. Hit me up. Don't be shy. I'm on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. If you want, I'll send you my uh, cell phone number and you can send me some selfies. Mm. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Arch of Her Newer Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com. Or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. The music? Well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta! Keep it funky.